After the feast, when every heart was warming to the joys of genial Bacchus, then one of the dinner companions asked Perseus, Now, valiant Perseus, pray tell the story of the deed that all may know and what arts and power prevailed when you struck off the serpent-covered head. Perseus then narrates how he came through lost and arduous paths and terrors within the entangled forests to the Gorgon's house. And along the way, in fields and by the roads, he saw on all sides men and animals, like statues, turned to flinty stone at sight of dreadful Medusa's visage. Nevertheless, he continued, Reflected on the brazen shield I bore upon my left, I saw her horrid face. When she was helpless in the power of sleep, and even her serpent hair was slumber-bound, I struck and took her head sheer from the neck. To winged Pegasus the blood gave birth, his brother also twins of rapid wing. One of the presents interrupts and asks then why Medusa alone of the three sisters had snakes in her hair. And he replied, Because, O stranger, it is your desire to learn what worth is for me to tell, hear the cause. Beyond all others she was famed for beauty and the envious hope of many suitors. Words would fail to tell the glory of her hair, most wonderful of all her charms. A friend declared to me he saw its lovely splendor. Fain declares Poseidon, the sovereign of the sea, attained her love in chaste Minerva's temple. While in rage, she turned her head away and held her shield before her eyes. To punish that great crime, Minerva changed the Gorgon's splendid hair into horrible serpents. And now, to strike her foes with fear, she wears upon her breast those awful vipers, creatures of her rage. Hi, my name is Roberta Jones and I look at the past to see into the future. In this episode, I'll be telling you all about an icon who's very dear to my heart. A strong and at the same time vulnerable woman whose figure has taken different shapes and roles throughout the centuries. From protective, caring goddess to horrifying evil monster, her image has suffered a radical transformation over time because she was feared by men and couldn't thrive in a patriarchal society. You've probably already heard her name or seen her face on Versace's fancy bags. Yes, I'm talking about Medusa. I'm going to suggest a renewed understanding of her throughout some beautiful, insightful texts I found and modern points of view. There has been a clear male narrative of myths and history over time. In Western culture, strong women have been seen as threats, requiring male conquest and control. And the myth of Medusa that has come down to us unfortunately reflects that. So my purpose here is to retell the story of Medusa from a feminist, or rather, let's say female, perspective. Also, this is a very special episode because we have as a guest Luciano Garbati, who is the sculptor of the very famous statue Medusa with Head uh, that has become the symbol of the Me Too movement. So you'll be able to hear his thoughts very soon. At the start of this episode, you heard an excerpt from Ovid's Metamorphosis, recounting how Perseus managed to kill the dangerous Medusa and how she was transformed from beautiful nymph to ugly monster. Since then, Medusa has been viewed as this beautiful but also dangerous woman that had to be crushed at all costs. 
However, her image couldn't be killed. She has remained irresistibly attractive and has been captured in various shapes and forms by countless of great artists. For example, Bernini, Caravaggio, Cellini and many, many others. In fact, she is so fascinating that Versace chose to make her the logo of its very prestigious brand. And it worked. I'm going to start this journey through the metamorphosis of Medusa with a very famous work of art. Since figurative art has the great gift of helping us visualize difficult concepts, like patriarchy, for example, the masterpiece I'm talking about is a tall, imposing bronze statue called Perseus with the Head of Medusa by Benvenuto Cellini. It has a prime position in the Piazza della Signoria in Florence, opposite Michelangelo's David. Tourists are more interested in taking selfies with the naked, muscular David, but Cellini's gory statue of Perseus with the head of Medusa gushing blood, sculpted in the mid-16th century, tells a more intriguing story. Perseus here looks not so much like a hero as a ferocious assassin. He's standing on Medusa's lifeless body, holding up her head as a trophy. Cellini chooses to represent a very specific moment of the murder. The moment immediately after. Even more interesting here is that the statue was commissioned by Cosimo I de' Medici when he became Duke of Florence after a period of experimental republic in the city. And this was his way of saying, the Medicis are back and have put an end to this revolting republic. In line with Cosimo's intentions, Medusa and her head of writhing snakes symbolize the republic, a different society and a political threat together with the classical interpretation of a terrifying sexual threat. This statue quite clearly embodies these two faces of Medusa, her being a woman with all that this entails and her being a revolution. Men seem to have confused the political threat with a sexual one. The story of the evolution of the myth of Medusa particularly shows this confusion. What appears to be a sexual threat in regard to Medusa's head of snakes and her power to turn anyone that looks at her into stone is actually a political threat of a different society that Medusa represents. These sentiments were popularized during the Renaissance by Machiavelli, who in The Prince alluded to the Medusa icon when he described the state as a woman, without head, without order, beaten, despoiled, torn, desperate for a manly rescuer. According to Ovid's metamorphosis, Medusa was a beautiful maiden with thick, luminous hair. She was so beautiful that even Poseidon, the god of the sea, could not resist her beauty. And as if it were his right, he raped her in the temple of Athena. When Athena learned about the rape, she decided that the real violator of her sacred place was not the rapist, <coughs> sorry, the god, but instead the violated woman. Sounds familiar? What was she wearing, Athena might have asked, to be able to enchant a god? It must have been something about her. Medusa's beautiful thick hair turned into horrible snakes, and from then on, she would turn anyone that looked at her into stone, until the day Perseus, son of Zeus, found her asleep and cut off her head. But the figure of Medusa is multi-layered and dates further back than that of the classicist patriarchal Greek society. According to Miriam Dexter, in an article called The Ferocious and the Erotic, the myth of Medusa is a compilation of Neolithic European, Semitic and Indo-European mythology and iconography. Two very different depictions appear in this wider iconography. The Neolithic goddess of birth, death and regeneration, 
who's represented either with a bird, a snake, or a combination of the two, as death and birth are combined in her figure, and a Near Eastern demon called Umbaba, whose severed head is used like Medusa's head in a protective manner. In Greek, the name Medusa means she who cares for, who protects. Medusa is a primordial divinity linked to a society which we do not know much about, but which still contained within it a substratum that we can define as matriarchal and therefore protective in origin. Although Medusa is commonly regarded as a monster, her head is often seen as a protective amulet that would keep evil away. The image of Medusa's head can be seen in numerous Greek and subsequent Roman artifacts, such as shields, breastplates and mosaics. In Greece and Turkey, she adorns ancient doorways and pathways as a protectress. So Medusa is indeed ferocious, but also ancestrally a healer and a protectress, whose death protects from all deaths. In their myths and societal evolution, the Greeks maintained very little of this ambiguity. The poet Pindar described Medusa as a beautiful, fair-cheeked lady, which underlines the connection between beauty and fatality. Beauty, like monstrosity, enthralls, and female beauty was perceived, and is still unfortunately perceived, to be both enchanting and dangerous, or even fatal. This sexual threat is bound to a political threat. The fear of Medusa's beauty is in fact the fear of a different society, maybe a matriarchal one? And in this fear of the ancient ambivalent figure of Medusa, the Greeks chose to tell, or ended up telling anyway, just a part of the myth. As Mary Beard argues in her book, Women and Power, Medusa overturns the female role. She's not the watched, nor the looked at. Quite the contrary, she's the one looking. Beard links this aspect to modern feminism, and adds that Medusa's gaze is in fact not only terrifying, sexually and politically, but it is also creative, as she creates a place of power for women. She says, quote, I've talked before about the ways women get silenced in public discourse, and there's plenty of that silencing still going on. The right to be heard is crucially important. Exploring how and why the conventional definitions of power, or of knowledge, expertise and authority, have tended to exclude women. We have no template for what a powerful woman looks like, and the shared metaphors, whether conscious or not, we use of female access to power, knocking on the door, storming the citadel, smashing the glass ceiling, underline female exteriority. Mary Beard retraces where our templates usually come from, and in sometimes quite shocking ways. She says we are still using Greek idioms to represent the idea of women in and out of power. In real life, the women of ancient Greece had no formal political rights and little economic or social independence. The Greek imagination has offered us a series of unforgettable women of power, of course. Medea, Clytemnestra, Antigone. However, for the most part, these powerful women are portrayed as abusers rather than users of power. If we go back to the beginnings of Western history, according to the scholars I have mentioned, we find a radical separation, real, cultural and imaginary, between women and power. If women are not perceived to belong in structures of power, it is power that we need to redefine rather than women. In this sense, we can talk about the creative glance of Medusa. In the moment she creates a place of power for women, 
in the moment she looks at men and shows the role we want. First, to be listened to. In so many paintings, we see a woman caught by the male gaze while she bathes, dresses or rests. Medusa overturns this theme with her gaze that turns men into stone and therefore obliges men to rethink their relationship with the feminine figure. Now, to be more specific, Medusa comes to represent a subversive female who is capable of making a man the object of her gaze. And it is this capacity which decenters and undermines the power of a man and which eventually turns him into stone. Medusa again became a symbol of a monstrously feminized republic during the French Revolution. In 1791, Marie Antoinette appeared as a beastly Medusa in the print Le Denifoncaire. And in the early 20th century, Sigmund Freud notably used the myth of Medusa to explain his concept of castration anxiety. And as women fought for the right to vote, suffragettes were linked to the figure of Medusa. Medusa's story as a beautiful young woman, protectress and rape victim had been erased from the cultural consciousness. She has simply become a woman with a terrifying potential power to emasculate men. Indeed, as recently as 2016, Hillary Clinton was linked to Medusa. Now, without getting into the many public details of Clinton and the American 2016 elections, what interests me here is a drawing based on Cellini's famous statue showing Trump as Perseus holding Clinton's head. Now, the image went viral around that time and did not really create the big scandal that it should have done. The representation of Clinton as the defeated, beheaded Medusa really reinforces the fact that men are still really terrified of women if they need to exorcise powerful women by representing a potential female leader with a head chopped off. Clinton looks mad and hysterical, with a mouth open and wild eyes. Someone so unstable you couldn't possibly vote for. On the contrary, Trump has the calm and collected look of a leader. A male one, of course. Basically, the message is that since Clinton is anything but passive, she should not exist on the political playing field and certainly cannot be president. Just like Medusa, Hillary Clinton is seen as a dangerous woman, one that must be locked up to make the world safe for male patriarchy once again. Thankfully, there is another, more recent reproduction of Cellini's statue by Argentinian-Italian artist Luciano Garbati that is profoundly different from the original one as it completely reverses the myth. It is Medusa with the head of Perseus. It is the revenge of Medusa. Or rather the, what if Medusa had won? Medusa is standing tall and naked with the head of Perseus in her right hand and a sword in the left. She is not standing triumphant on his putrefied body, unlike Cellini's original, and she keeps Perseus's head down. She doesn't display it or hold it up in front of her as a trophy. Her look is determined and aware of her actions, as if she had to do it to liberate herself from her oppressor. This statue was made in 2008, but wasn't known to the public until 2018, when a picture of the statue with the tag Be thankful we only want equality and not payback went viral on social media. After that, Medusa with the head of Perseus became the centerpiece of an art exhibition in New York, and later a bronze replica of the statue was placed in Collect Pond Park, facing the New York County Criminal Building, where Harvey Weinstein was sentenced for sexual assault on countless women. The statue evidently aims to reverse the social roles and status of the myth, 
and ever since it has been linked to the Me Too movement. However, many critics have had concerns about the rhetorical device of reversal. By exchanging the role of victim for that of executioner, the modality of the relationship between the subjects remained the same. One head always jumps off. We always remain within a relationship of domination. Justice is confused with revenge and violence remains legitimized. The myth itself comes to our aid with its long and deep memory. Medusa's power is great. The contemporary statue wants to highlight it. The way it was done is a tricky one, because the question of justice within the Me Too movement cannot be reduced to payback. Also, following Beard's point, feminist thought is radical, outside relational and social models based on relations of domination. The power and empowerment that result from feminism's elaboration of the world are other than revenge, violence, and asphyxiating patriarchal binarisms. However, I personally really love Medusa with Head because uh, when you look at it, it really makes you stop, pause and think. You are forced to leave uh, the field of known and acquired data about Medusa that was unconsciously naturalized. And also, what is interesting among all these uh, uh, critics that have uh, talked about uh, Luciano Garbati's statue, Medusa with Head, is that nobody ever cried assassin at the representation of Perseus. Nobody asked if Cellini's statue was maybe too cruel, just as nobody opposed the fact that Perseus also petrified his enemies, using Medusa's head, by the way, lovely metaphor of women at service. The statue may be violent and revengeful, but it also makes you question violence and the perception of power in itself. Sometimes, in order to show the powerful that they are abusing their power, you have to show them what it's like to be represented as the weak and the abused. Among all the current debates around the statue, power and feminism, one thing is sure. Centuries of depicting Medusa as a monster are over. Women are changing the narrative. And as Six has said, she is beautiful and she's laughing. Uh, so today I have the honor of uh, speaking to Luciano Garbati, who is an uh, Italian-Argentinian artist specialized in sculpture. Oh, sculpture. Uh, Luciano, he has been exhibiting all over the world and I love his sculptures because they are kind of an interesting fusion in between, you know, classical tradition uh, sculpture and uh, uh, abstract, interesting shapes. So he constantly creates this uh, dialogue in between the past, the present, the future, uh, which we like very much at uh, Roberta Jones. Uh, so, hi, Luciano. Hi, Roberta. How are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. <laughs> and thank right. you for uh, inviting me to this uh, podcast of yours. No, thank you very it's much. an honor. So in particular, uh, I've asked you to come today because uh, the podcast is about uh, Medusa. And you are very famous for a statue uh, called Medusa with Head uh, that reverses the famous Cellini statue, uh, Perseus with the Head of Medusa, which we've been talking about a lot in uh, the podcast. I have to stop you here. I'm yeah. sorry, but no I'm worries. not famous. She's famous. <laughs> the you're, you're not itself. famous. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I think you're pretty famous in the art world. 
<laughs> we'll see that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Anyway, she's but famous. We can we can say that for sure. I mean, we can say yes. The she Medusa with head uh, is very famous, almost by chance. Also, um, yes. Well, that's that's intriguing. I mean, it's a, it's a like like a peculiar story. I mean, I'm still struggling to to, to, to you know to believe that that actually happened. Yes, because uh, the I made the sculpture. In, <laughs> yes, I, I made the sculpture in 2008, so 14 years ago, and uh, the sculptures uh, stood there in my studio, like uh, you know, like invisible for everyone, almost everyone. I mean, my friends, my family, and some yeah, some art collectors that uh, had the chance to see her there in my studio, but well. She stood there, like, <laughs> um, and uh, eventually in 2018, I, I decided to post her, like I did with the other sculptures in face on Facebook, you know, like uh, two pictures of it, and uh, well, it was like uh, quite thrilling to see uh, in real time the the viralization of the the image. Uh, throughout all the social media, media, you know, it was uh, amazing to see that. And I think, well, I think it's obvious the the the, the context uh, in 2018 was quite different, and um, feminism was there, like a very uh, strong uh, in a very strong uh, position. And uh, I think that the the, the the image was taken as a sort of symbol of uh, the, the struggles and the, the fight of women for, for gaining new yes. uh, rights. It was just after the Me Too movement, so it yes. was perfect in that context of the Me Too yes, movement. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it was, it's time, right? It's right time at the right moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, she she had to she had to wait like ten years, but uh, but uh, her time came eventually. Yes, they were avant-garde in a sense. But I, I, I think if it went viral, it's because it, it really uh, responded to the time. No, it reflected the need of the time. It encapsulated that that thing that was happening very clearly. I think so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so strong because a, a statue so famous like uh, uh, Perseus with the head of Medusa that is uh, overturned, it's uh, it's uh, very strong. So how did you have the inspiration in the first place uh, to reverse Cellini's statue? Well, uh, I mean, I don't think I was reversing uh, his statue. I was reversing the narrative. Um, some some people say says that uh, I was engaging with the directly with the Cellini, and I, I wouldn't say that because uh, I mean that's a masterpiece uh, which I, I admire. Like uh, uh, I would say uh, some some like ten sculptures in, in art history. So that that's one one of my top uh, sculptures, you know, and and. and yeah, I wouldn't engage with him directly. It's it's the narrative of the myth, and uh, especially the narrative of Ovid's uh, version of the myth, because because the myth, like any other myth, has an evolution uh, and it changes uh, throughout time. 
Mm-hmm. And um, new perspectives are given uh, from time to time. And uh, it's like a dynamic um, entity, a myth. Uh, well, I, I I thought the, the that, that particular version version the the Ovid's one um, could be understood as a as a tragic uh, story, and uh, the tragic character was Medusa. So I I, I wanted to do something with uh, with the myth. Uh, I mean. Uh, a sculpture of mine, and uh, eventually I, I I I thought it was better to focus on on Medusa because she was the the, the tragic character, the, the suffered one, and uh, I wanted to to well to give her like a, a new uh, new life, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, thinking on the myth, thinking on all the version. Uh, versions of it in which uh, you can see the victorious Perseus. I said, well, that's enough. I mean, too too many victor victorious Perseus all over there. I would like to to imagine something else. And uh, well, that's when I I thought it was interesting to to think to to try to imagine a sculpture depicting Medusa, uh, but Medusa. Uh, having survived this, the, the 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 fight with the Perseus, I that that's what I I wanted to do, you know, uh, imagining the character the, in that. Well, <laughs> sorry, what? To give her justice, you wanted to. Well, yes, yes, yes. I was. I, I I'm not sure what what if I was thinking particularly in in justice. I I was thinking on her, and uh, her. Um, uh, Yes, uh, fighting for her uh, for uh, her life. That that's what she she did. She was okay. fighting for her life to keep her her life, you know. And uh, well, it was uh, then uh, understood from the perspective of uh, justice, women justice, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but that's what I was trying to do when when I started working on on my sculpture, my Medusa. And at the time, you didn't know that already there were some uh, scholars that saw Medusa as the symbol of uh, the feminine gaze. Of I didn't. You didn't. I didn't. Well, I I I, I have to say that I learned uh, a lot of things after <laughs> after the, the all these events uh, uh, in relation with the with my sculpture. Yes, I, and that and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it was intuitive, in a way. Yes, I could say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because after the temporary exhibition in New York, okay, so initially the picture went viral of the Medusa yes. on social media saying, be thankful we only want equality and not payback, right? Already yeah, that, that's what the, what, that was the meme, yeah. The meme, yeah. It was yeah. very provocative, yeah. So yes, then it went on to this temporary exhibition and then it ended up in front of the county court of new york where Ave Wayne was uh sentenced no for uh, justice let's say sentenced for its uh for his uh sexual assaults yes uh was that also by chance that it ended up there in front of it wasn't by chance but i didn't know at that time that uh, harvey weinstein was was going to be trialed there i i wanted something with a meaning related to the sculpture and i found this uh, this uh, park it's a small park called called 
collect pond, uh, which is surrounded by all the the, 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 the criminal court, the, the family court and yeah. civil court of the state of New York. And well, that 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 made sense uh, because it was uh, the sculpture had been related to justice. Then uh, those were buildings in which uh, act of justice uh, was imparted. So. That, that made sense. But there, there was also a detail, um, a, a, a quote engraved in one of the buildings in the criminal court, which uh, goes something like uh, equal and exact justice for all men of whatever state or persuasion. So all men. And when I read that, I said, well, this is the spot. I, I found that place uh, significant in relation with the with the sculpture, Absolutely. and we yeah. we we were chosen, and that particular spot was was given to us. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And from then on, the Medusa has become you know the symbol of me too, right? Even more. Yes. Yeah, and it's funny that I've read that there are some critiques, you know, uh, yes. connected to the statue that say, oh, a fem- feminism can't be reduced to payback or revenge. Some people saying that it was too Eurocentric because Me Too was created by an Afro-American. Uh, some people said <laughs> stuff like, oh, uh, she doesn't have enough pubic hair stuff like that. <laughs> How did you rea- react to those criticisms? Well, the thing is that there were some critics that were not pertinent. Why? Because uh, it wasn't done, the sculpture wasn't done as, as a monument to the Me Too movement. Uh, she, in a way, she was chosen uh, as a symbol. So I, yeah. I understand the critic if, if I mean, because one of those was uh, that I was a man and a man creating a monument for the Me Too was uh, a nonsense. And I agree with that. But it, was, uh, it wasn't the case. I mean, I didn't make, make a monument for the Me Too. I, yeah. I made a sculpture and uh, eventually that sculpture uh, gained a sense that I, I didn't even imagine at the time I, I made it. I mean... You know, real feminists feminists would say, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> who made no. it. Like, I mean, again, it's it's not uh, the the aim of art to satisfy everybody's uh, uh, taste. Or this is the time for critics to 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 show themselves. I mean, <laughs> we we have yeah. all the the means to do so, and uh, you know, get furious about some things. Um, and that is part of the of the of the game. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm very happy and uh, I'm also thrilled by the fact that he, she was chosen as a symbol, and uh, that's it. I mean, the rest I I I try not to care about it. <laughs> So I think it does make you quite, I think it, it does reflect, especially in that time, 2018, uh, the feminist spirit in a good way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's something uh, amazing. I mean, I, I found that uh, all, all the, that, that event amazing. <laughs> because I wasn't expecting the, this outcome for the sculpture when I did it. Yeah. And I know also some people tattoo your Medusa. They have yes, yes, there are, right? 
that that's incredible. I mean, I'm st- it's incredible, and and I'm still getting uh, people ask me if they can uh, make may uh, have it tattooed in their bodies. Uh, I say yes, of course. I mean, you can do whatever <laughs> you want, but please send me a picture. So I have like a hundred pictures of uh, different tattoos. Uh, it's all not that there. they ask you they're like I don't want to pay yeah. right if I tattoo <laughs> well that's uh, that, that's what no I mean it's more for 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 like a, they, they are being polite with me and uh, they know that, that that that's what I do for for living and uh, uh, I, I really appreciate the gesture and uh-huh. I the only thing I, I ask in return is a picture of uh, of the tattoo you know because I I love to see them and if someone wants to see your Medusa in person, mm-hmm. now you're preparing for an exhibition, right? Yes, yes. And this is like, uh, I, I'm adding another episode to, to the story, the, the, the amazing, the fascinating story of this sculpture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, until now, it was like more, more like a social um, uh approach you know to the sculpture that there, there is more of uh, a social perspective um surrounding the sculpture but now um she will she will be exhibited in a, in, a, in a museum in an art museum in uh, in France uh, in the city of Caen Caen uh, yes, I don't know what the pronunciation. Date? So in people France. maybe might come and see the exhibition. What yes, date? absolutely. You're, you're all invited. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great exhibition because it is all devoted to the character of Medusa throughout art history. So you have um, art pieces from uh, uh, the eighth century before Christ to the contemporary art. And uh, there are some amazing sculptures uh, involved as, uh, and also paintings like, as I don't know, um, Bernini's bust of Medusa. Ah, um, yeah. Normally it's in the yeah. Capitoline museums. Yes, you know, yes, in Rome. Rome. Absolutely. That one. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry if there's some noise. That's my baby crying. I'm so <laughs> sorry about that. But, no worries, uh, I can't I can hear. Elsewhere. Okay. Uh, also, Benvenuto Cellini's uh, a sketch for uh, his ah. Perseus, which is uh, uh, exhibited in, in the Bargello Museum in Florence. Mm-hmm. Rubens' painting of uh, the decapitated, uh, decapitated head of Medusa, that's in Vienna. Uh, Damien Hirst, uh, Medusa, Giacometti's one, I mean, Rodin's Perseus. There are a lots of a lot of works involved, and also mine. I mean, it's like a dream. It's a dream. It's 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 impossible to imagine something like that when you are working, you know, in your studio um, in Buenos Aires, like yeah. like I did at that time. So it's amazing. do you have a date for the when will the exhibition? Yes, yes. Uh, the opening or? will be at, uh, on on May the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. And it will be open until uh, September the 18th. Great. Okay. So, yeah, it's amazing. I can't, I can't, uh, I mean, Bernini, I mean, I, I love, I love him. I love his work. I love his art from, since, I, since I was a child. So it's yeah. really a dream come true. Yeah. Oh, it, it must be an amazing exhibition. I feel blessed by this uh, opportunity I have been given uh, mm-hmm. Because of my sculpture, but I, it fits. I, it really fits in this exhibition. Your medicine. Yes. It could not not be there. <laughs> uh, 
that's good. yeah it's amazing well thank you so much Luciano for taking the time uh to meet me it was a an honor to uh speak with you and uh, do you have anything else to say one last thing uh, well I I said I said uh I I felt uh, blessed uh but it was even before because uh as I said before I, I I think I, I I could learn a lot of things uh, because of this whole experience, and uh, yes, I think I think we are given um, a great opportunity to change a lot of things, and uh, we should all think about that and uh, try to make everything better. Because unfortunately, wow. there are there is so much injustice all over there. So yes, mm -hmm. that, that's uh, that's what I feel. Uh, and uh, it helped me a lot, you know, to to see things that I wasn't seeing at mm -hmm. the time. So that's a beautiful way to finish an interview. Thank you for this inspiring talk, Luciano. Until well, next you, time, thank you, Roberta. Thank you so much for the thank opportunity you. of being here with you and talk, having this conversation. Thank you. You've just listened to Roberta Jones looking at the past to see into the future. A podcast created by me and Berardo Carboni, written in collaboration with Angelica Andretto. This podcast is sponsored by Herbs Travel. Their smart city guides are the best way to learn about the history, culture and cuisine of Europe's most iconic cities. Soundtrack, editing and sound design by Matteo D'Alessandro.